Hi, my name is Danny, and I am a horticulturalist. Welcome to my little podcast, Leaves, Stems and Roots. Episode 5, woohoo, pests and diseases. Before we start, I want to thank those who wished me a speedy recovery. My voices are still a little bit scratchy, but we'll be able to keep going. It's been really bad hay fever and a head cold. Awesome. Hello, leaflets. Quote, never plant without a bucket of compost at your side. Elsa Bacalar. Today, as stated in the last episode, we will be talking about bugs, the good, the bad and the ugly. I love bugs. I did work experience with an entomologist when I was in high school like a billion years ago. I absolutely loved it. So why are there bugs? I was an odd kid. I was and am fascinated by bugs. I know I may be alone with this, but I'm okay with that. And sorry to say you bug haters out there, but insects are an important way of our life. They help dispose of wastes like dead animals and plants. Without these fellas, we would have a very messy environment. So if they're so brilliant, why do we need to get rid of them? Shouldn't we just leave them to it? Sure, we could. There are many people who believe that. However, that philosophy to me doesn't make too much sense, especially in a kitchen garden. If you do nothing about the bugs, who are you actually growing the veggies for? The insect or us? And as insects have their own life to get to, we can deter them away and attract predators, which equates to their own ecosystem. However, if you don't want to hurt any of the bugs, I think you'd better give up on planting anything. But I don't want to put anything harsh on my garden, and I don't have the time to squash them all. And what about the weeds? There are just way too many of them. <laughs> Hold on, imaginary overdramatic friend. There are many organic ways we can help our plants. Like how? Well, if you'd let me continue, I'll tell you. What does organic mean? The Oxford Dictionary says, via Ms. Google about food or farming methods produced or involving production without the use of chemical fertilisers, pesticides or other artificial chemicals. It is produced or involving production without the use of chemical fertilisers, pesticides or other artificial chemicals. So, I was going to talk about some bugs in depth, but I didn't want to bore you. I will have a few mini episodes about bugs and how to eradicate them in your gardens over the next little while. These will be bite-sized episodes, thus I will be calling them bites. But when you think of your veggie patches, what creepy crawlies do you think of? I think of aphids, those small, many-coloured insects that eat the new bits of lots of different plants, including roses, fruit trees and grapes. If you want a more in-depth episode about aphids, please check out bite number one, which is up now. Mites are evil critters. Can't call these bugs as they are arachnids. Who knows the difference between insects and arachnids? Insects have six legs and arachnids have eight. Mites may not have the arachnophobe screaming obscenities about them, but in the garden, these eight-legged freaks do more harm than the scary spiders some of us have nightmares about. Reasons why... Mites are the Lord Farquaad of the arachnids. They suck the chlorophyll out of the leaf, leaving them brown, and the leaves will eventually die. Some of these will also spin webs, which will cover the back of these dying leaves, and they just look really bad. As these leaves begin to rot, mildew can form, and if not treated, can be susceptible to powdery mildew spores. At the moment in Melbourne, 
where I am, we are having weird seasons. We still had basil in May. We have been getting warm and wet days, followed by high humidity, which is ideal conditions for mildew. As with aphids, there are many different sizes and colours of mites. You've probably seen them even if you haven't thought you had. Have you been aware of seeing moving tiny red dots on the underside of your leaves? Citrus attract a lot of bugs, including chewing insects such as light brown apple moth, citrus, leaf miner and weevils. Sap-sucking insects such as scales, these guys have no eyes and no legs. I just wanted to go and start singing about landmines, but I refrain. Aphids, these buggers can go everywhere. These particular sucking insects produce honeysuckle as they suck the sap. I know you felt that sticky sap on infested branches. Well, now you know why. Sap-sucking critters that don't produce that honeysuckle are mites. There are a few different species of mites who love citrus and thrips. There is also gall wasp, and that is near impossible to get rid of. It's a native species which came out of New South Wales and Queensland. It is now very prevalent in South Australia and Victoria, and it has just been found in suburban Perth. If you are in a municipality that has known wasp gall, you will have to throw these out in the actual garbage bin and not the green bin. This is to hinder any continuable contamination. If you have it young, you are you may be able to actually slit the um, wasp gall and actually paint it with nail polish. Probably clear. Oh, you could probably go yellow. No, probably clear would be better. A lot of these insects I've mentioned are not just known to citrus, but I wanted to make you aware what one class of fruit can attract. I didn't want to be classist as every other fruit and vegetable has as many, if not more, insects that like to destroy them. Some other things that can be detrimental to our kitchen garden is the following. Nematodes are a worm type thing, not an insect. These attack tomatoes and due to these, it is wise to move your tomatoes each year. Slugs and snails are a huge problem, as are cabbage, white moths, cutworms and earwigs. There is one more insect I wanted to talk about, and it is the 28-spotted ladybug. Other than its meat-eating cousins, this one, herbivore, it's found on pumpkin leaves and other things like that. These guys can be yellow, black or orange. So not all ladybugs are A-OK, however, they can be easily picked off. If you have your seeds in a shed, make sure they are in containers, which will not get mildew, plus can't be gotten to by mice. If you think you may have mice, sprinkle some peppermint oil around the base of your shed. This will also deter spiders from coming too. I will be doing an episode on pets and your garden, so I will touch on the birds and larger pests then. So, homemade sprays. I read a weird type of spray that used bugs themselves to be a deterrent. Apparently, pulling off a few of the leaf-eating ladybugs and grinding it into a paste and adding this to some water and spraying it onto other infested branches, it apparently works. It does seem a little morbid to me. Other than hand-picking off the larger bugs or snails or slugs, there is a myriad of ways to get rid of your bugs. All recipes will be in the show notes. There are also organic sprays ready-made in your local nursery. It's best to talk to your local nursery to see what may work best for you. 
I for you, I use and know I am not sponsored by them. Just my humble opinion is eco oil. It is perfect for vegetables. Eco neem, although good for insects and powdery mildew, can't be sprayed on edible things. However, if you only have a small kitchen garden or garden, you can make it yourself with cooking oil and dishwashing liquid. It's a good thing to get the kids involved with. There are fungicides out there to help you and again you can make your very own with baking soda and dish soap and we used it the other day in the kitchen garden at school and it definitely works. For snails, have a snail catcher with a detergent solution or beer. Another way to deter these nasties is to plant. Plant what? Plant those species with who help with eradicating pests, interplant tomatoes with marigolds. These will kill the nematodes. Plant nasturtiums near aphid-infected plants. They act as a Venus flytrap. Other plants to have to keep the ugly, nasty insects away are parsley, coriander, dill, fennel, spearmint, cosmos and thyme. Next episode will be companion planting, which we will touch a lot more about So we've talked about foes of the garden. What beneficial insects are good in our garden? Hmm. Oh, shush. I can hear you all yelling about bees. Don't forget the bees. Of course, bees are a wonderful bug. Now, we all know that without bees, we will die. Fun fact, the European bee pollinates more than 35% of the world's plants. In Australia, the second largest pollinator is our la- Australian native bee. Then flies, hoverflies, the beetles, hang on, not the fab four, but beetles and moths. I seriously thought butterflies would be up higher th- on that list. And I assuming they are on the list, but just didn't make the top five. Mwahaha. <laughs> Attract these with pollen-rich flowers. Ladybugs. Of course, these guys are just as awesome as bees. Well, you know. Did you know that ladybirds and ladybugs are the same thing? I used to say ladybirds more often, but now I say ladybugs. Not quite sure why, but there you have it. These fabby insects can eat 70 to 100 aphids per day. The ladybugs we're talking about are the red ones. And how do we attract these fellas to our gardens? Herbs like coriander and dill, lavender, rosemary and sage, and flowers like marigold and cosmos. Hey, did you know there are beneficial mites as well? They are predatory insects that will eat the bad insects of your garden. These particular mites like carrots. Other than pollinators, what other good critters are good to have in not just your kitchen garden, but in any garden? Australian native lacewings are a curious critter. Adult lacewings go under the pollinator banner. However, when they lay eggs and the larva is hatched, this is a time they shine and eat aphids, thrips and mealyworms. And apparently they are used as a biological control in industrial flower farms. Wasps will lay their eggs in unsuspecting pests. This type of parasitic behaviour has a John Hurt feel to it. Praying mantis are also fantastic for the garden as they also eat many of the evil dudes such as aphids, caterpillars, mozzies and beetles. Plant some herbs or raspberries to attract these guys. Dragonflies. Dragonflies are awesome. I love them. They are so beautiful and they are brilliant for the garden. The larva eats mozzies and the adults eat the white cabbage moths and other flying insects. I think they make it into a bit of a sport. You're visualising this now, aren't you? 
Maybe they do a flying sidekick through the air. Dragonflies are attracted to brightly coloured blooms. And lastly, yes, we're going to talk about spiders and why they are beneficial to any garden. They keep pests away by snacking on them. They show that your garden is chemical free. Spiders won't thrive where there is a spraying of nasty chemicals. They also reduce plant disease due to eating the insect vectors which pass along the disease. So diseases, this is a huge list, so I will leave a link in the show notes discussing them all in length. Basically, the most prevalent diseases in the veggie gardens are the following. Bacterial wilt is a devastating disease in veggies of Solanaceae family. This is potato, tomato and eggplant. This is spread by nematodes, contaminated tools and can cross from seeds. Anthraconose of beans, I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce it, but it will do. This is a seed-borne fungus. If you end up with this, the bean ends up with a streaky black rot. Don't collect this seed as it will be already contaminated. Another bean-related disease is common blight. This is transferred by insects and gets into the soil. It affects most of the plant and end up with the dark spotches on the leaves. Leaf blight can occur in parsley also. As briefly spoken about before, powdery mildew brought into the plants by arasitic insect. Powdery mildew affects a lot of plants including parsley, tomatoes, grapes and pumpkin. Root rot. That sounds great, doesn't it? It's exactly as the name implies. This comes from having excess water in your pots or drainage problems in your beds. Some plants definitely don't like getting their feet wet, like rosemary and lavender, so these plants may be more susceptible, so just be aware. Mature apple trees can be susceptible to a particular root rot, which is known as white root rot, and once it gets them, they will prematurely die. There are many diseases in fruit trees, including peach leaf curl, brown rot of stone fruits, root rot and wilt. Another thing to keep an eye out on your fruit trees are cankers. These start off as a small pimple-like bumps and grow larger to affect whole branches. Eucalyptus trees also are susceptible to this. Other things to help with pests and disease in your garden, make sure you keep everything moist but not too wet, as this can cause blight or mildew. Keep your soil healthy. This will help with attracting the six or eight-legged heroes to your garden. This will also decrease the chances of disease in your garden. Crop rotation does work, and this is easier in pots as you can change the soil easier and keep everything mulched as this will also help with eradicating weeds and keep insects at bay. Try not to overplant, as this will also minimise mildew. Keep an eye on your young plants. Blossoms on your fruit trees may need a bit of spray with some white oil to suppress those aphids. If you have dogs, pick up their poo, as this can attract flies and maggots. Turn over your compost for the same reason. Also, if you do have any containers which keep which will fill up with water, keep an eye on this as you don't want mozzies to swarm into your house from your garden. There is a huge amount of pests and diseases which have not been spoken about. This is another reason why I decided to do the bites. We'll briefly chat about weeds. 
Again, you can make a homemade remedy of salt and vinegar, not the chips. However, you don't want to use this too much. We don't want to add too much salt to our water tables, which can increase sodium levels, which will kill our plants. This may increase salinity in your area. Now, I also just found another recipe which does not include the salt and instead of salt it has lemon juice it's not as potent as the one with salt however it does work there are environmentally safe herbicides out there as long as they don't have glyphosate in them the ingredient which is added to a lot of commercial herbicides which is added to the murdering of our bees some of the most common weeds we get in our kitchen garden are the following. Oxalis, please throw this into the bin instead of your compost. Flickweed, bindi, most Australians would know this bugger getting stuck to your socks as kids. Onion grass, so smelly. Nut grass, purslane, splurge, splurge, it's actually spurge, sorry about that. Capeweed, chickweed and dandelion. Most of these can be dug out. Just make sure you get all the roots out. If you just take the tops of them it's a waste of time you might as well be having a nap or a cup of tea instead of weeding now I tell my kids at school what the true definition of a weed is and it is any plant you don't want in a particular area so if you had mint in an area you didn't want it to be that technically my dear leaflets is a weed a friend of mine hates roses and calls them weeds his wife does not agree (laughs) Anyway, hope this has given you a bit of understanding of what to look out for in your kitchen garden. So what do I have growing in my garden? Well, my son loves chives, so I have made sure to have lots of chives in the garden. Chives with eggs is just wonderful. Talking of the bites, if there is a creepy crawly we touched on today and you want to know more about it, please let me know through the Facebook group or on Instagram. There will be a website maybe coming soon until next time my dear leaflets toodle all media pertaining to this episode will be in the show notes please follow through instagram and we now have a facebook group tell me about your kitchen gardens please remember to rate and review and remember to pull up your plants so we can get dirty Blop.